the volume. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. I bet on FanDuel as often and as comfortably as I possibly can. It is America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. There are fast payouts in as quick as two hours. So many bet types. Same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, futures, and so much more. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so they know I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to a special Thanksgiving week edition of Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. We have a great show lined up for you. If you are into the business of boxing, this is a show you want to listen to. Joe Markovsky, he is the executive vice president over at DAZN. DAZN, of course, a major power broker in the sport of boxing. I talked to Joe about how 2021 has been for the network, and more importantly, what is the future of DAZN in the boxing space in 2022 and beyond? Stick around for that. A great conversation. A little bit later on, George Cambosis Jr., the lightweight contender, he takes on Teofimo Lopez this weekend in a long-anticipated lightweight match. When I say long-anticipated, this fight was originally scheduled for June. It is now happening this Saturday at Madison Square Garden. I talked to George about his preparation for this fight and why there is so much bad blood between Team Cambosis and Team Lopez. Great talk with George Cambosis. As always, best way to support this podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. All right, Joe Markovsky is here, Executive Vice President over at DAZN. And Joe, before we do anything else, I would like to point out, and this was not a setup, but coming into your building, your doorman, one of the first things he said to me was, when are we going to get Charlo Andrade? That was not a setup. Like the, I didn't lead him into it. I didn't suggest it. 
He just brought up Charlo Andrade as a mega fight that needs to be made. Well, Chris on the door definitely is a big boxing fan. I've known that since the day I moved in. Whether or not he thinks that's the biggest fight in boxing <laughs> is uh, is to be seen. I'll ask him on the way out. Um, but no, he is um, incredibly excited to see any boxing people come anywhere near the building. And uh, Sir Chris Mannix walking in this morning was no exception. Hey, love love the enthusiasm. That's what we need more out of boxing fans. Um, well, Joe is EVP at DAZN. DAZN is entering next year. It's fourth full year in the boxing space. Before that's taking a bit of a spin through the lightweight division. You've got Teofimo Lopez against George Cambosis coming up on Saturday the following week. The other belt that's available at lightweight, Devin Haney will defend his title against Jojo Diaz. Um, DAZN cramming a lot of good fights in towards the end of the year. Uh, how do you feel about the end of year schedule? Really, really good. Um, we are uh, ending the year on both sides of the Atlantic in a really positive way. That's by design. Uh, it's also reflective of the health of our business and the uh, size and engagement of our subscription base on in, in both the US and the UK. Um, those positive financials and the positive sort of um, support we're getting from boxing fans allow us to invest in uh, an increasingly high volume and high quality uh, schedule of events. And that um, that makes me happy and excited about uh, the coming weeks and also as we get into 2022 planning as we are now with our promotional partners, excited about what's to come. So um, after an 18-month run where sport has been put through the mill um, with COVID and the uh, sort of reaction to it and the recovery from it, to be ending this year on the front foot in the way that we are um, is something that we're very proud of. In you know, This has been fun, kind of big fight or significant fight after significant fight, but an ideal world do you have things more spaced out? I mean, you had a summer where it was kind of once a month with some good Golden Boy shows. Now you've got a run of four, five, six in a row. Ideally for you, do you have a little bit more breathing room between events? I think ideally, if you could wave your magic wand and design a schedule, you'd have... Um, Never works that way in boxing. Does no, it, it doesn't. I don't think, I don't think it works that way in, 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 in most sports, but definitely not in boxing. Um, there's a bit of an ebbing and flowing in boxing, right? And, and sometimes we probably have been a bit quieter at some points this year than we'd like to have been. Um, that's not by uh, design or lack of effort. Uh, sometimes there just are quieter months than others uh, and there are busier months than others and we're going into one of those busy periods now. I'm very keen that we continue the momentum we have going into 2022. So to a certain extent, the next six weeks from a marketing and production, assuming our talent team turn up and do their jobs and our marketing works in the various places we put it, that will, to a certain extent, take care of itself because we have a machine that sort of does that. My thinking now with Eddie and Golden Boy and the promotional partners we work with more broadly is what are we going to do in Q1 2022? How are we starting the year? What's our schedule going to be um, on a four or five month horizon? That's where the important um, sort of conversation uh, lies now. Um, ultimately, it's about delivering consistent value across the year to subscribers. I think in the round, we are doing that better than anyone else in the market. And I think the uh, numbers around our subscribers, not to be too boring and corporate with numbers, increasingly the, the, the engagement, how often those people are using the platform, how, how loyal they are being month on month to DAZN is increasing in both cases. And that's reflective of, I believe, subscribers and boxing fans understanding that DAZN is offering them real value and they want to stick around to consume it. So... 
um, that's good and it's reflective of something we've been investing in for, as you said at the top, um, close to four years now. Most of the listeners of this podcast are US based and mm. there has been rampant speculation over the last few months about DAZN's commitment to the US from the lack of events or at least a high number of events in the US to uh, the going global and committing a lot of resources over in the UK. Eddie's talked about this, said, look, we're all in on the US market. How would you characterize where DAZN is in their investment in the US market? Yeah, I'm always surprised and it, uh, bemused a little bit by how interested people are and how quick people are in boxing to write off businesses that enter the space. Um, I think boxing fans are probably the most educated of any sports fans about the business side of their sport. Um, it's more a part of the conversation than it is in European soccer or in basketball or in cricket. <laughs> not that many of your listeners are going to be uh, cricket fans. That's not, probably not a huge myself and Fred too. only. Okay. Um, but I, I, I am uh, I'm bemused by it, but it's obviously part of the conversation. People like to speculate about the health of our business and uh, whether or not we're going to go out of business. If we wanted to get out of boxing in the US, we had a very convenient excuse in COVID. And we did the absolute opposite of get out. We doubled down. We renewed contracts. We reset some contracts. We reset ourselves for growth. This weekend in a microcosm is a very good example of us doing the complete opposite of exiting boxing. It is us going out of our way originally in February when this purse bid came to market to say we have no obligations on this fight. We don't work with either of these fighters. They're with different promotional partners. They're not on our network. But we want to have this fight because it's available to our, to us. It's available to the market. And boxing fans want to see Tiafimo Lopez, in particular, fight. We went out of our way. We stuck with it over a pretty prolonged, quite up and down process from February through to the late summer when, when we eventually got this locked in. Um, I think that is a good example of our commitment to the sport. Um, we are investing smartly. We're investing more um, in a more disciplined way than we probably did three or four years ago we've been on record saying that we've got as good a relations with the promotional partners and their key fighters than we've ever had before and ultimately the key thing is the financial health of our business is at the best position it's ever been in uh, since we launched in 2018 so um, our board are demanding they want to see growth. They want to see uh, a business that is tracking towards um, an increasingly healthy financial position. If we weren't doing that, they wouldn't be giving us and my team the means to go and make fights like this one or to renew contracts with our promotional partners as we have done in the last year with Matchroom, for example, mm -hmm. and gone and got a new contract with Matchroom in the UK. So um, commentators in the market and lots of people on Twitter will speculate as they do in boxing we choose to ignore most of that and we focus on building the business that we are and um as i say it's well positioned going into 2022 what would you say has changed the most from where dazon was before the pandemic mm. to where it is now and how it is approaching this business moving forward um it's a really good question i think there's a couple of answers i think firstly we understand boxing fans far more than we did um you have to remember that when we came into the u.s market our only experience of any real boxing as a sports broadcaster with, with was with Mayweather McGregor in, I think that was the summer of 2017. And that whet our appetite, given the scale of business it did for us in, I think, Germany and Japan with the two markets we had it in. But 
apart from that, we hadn't really done much work in boxing. So I look back at some of our initial marketing activity and how we spoke to fans and how we positioned ourselves and how we governed certain relationships with promoters and slightly sort of sort of raise my eyebrows and with the learning we've now got we made some mistakes um i think anyone entering boxing or entering a new market of any description is going to make mistakes um we have really really quite quickly established ourselves at the very heart of the sport if you look at how we uh, engage with fans we do that with a breadth that i don't think many others do we cover the full sport we serve fans with um content and news and coverage and we get our talent team yourself included and Ak and Barak and the rest of the team to cover the full sport we do that because we've learned that fans are going to be sticking around and consuming our platform and consuming our social media content and engaging with our business and our brand more regularly if we are doing that and not sort of pretending that other things are not happening in the sport so that's one thing I also think and not to give anything away that's confidential we are managing our promotional partners better it's very easy, and I love Eddie Hearn to pieces. He's, he's a very good friend of mine. Um, it's easy in a sport of boxing to be sort of washed over by the the soap opera of boxing and the um, charisma of certain protagonists in the sport who are far more boxing people than we were four years ago and allow maybe the direction of travel to be shaped more in their interest than in the interest of us or more importantly in the interest of our subscribers so we've learned how to operate in boxing in a far more disciplined and ultimately um, um what's the word sustainable way um than we were probably operating four years ago and that all leads down to a better business to subscribers uh, and a better offer of content and a better offer of ancillary content and original content and social media activity but ultimately um for me and what i measured on a better business mm. and that allows us to be far more um medium and long term in our planning than just thinking about what's right in front of our face now and sort of scrapping to get through the next two or three months as maybe we were doing three or four years ago so um we are yeah we're building a more sustainable healthier business and i think that's reflected in quality of output and ultimately in how um engaged we are with our subscription base uh, you mentioned covering the whole sport and you know that that's i would call that something that the zone has doubled down on mm. because you know on air on broadcast we always covered the sport we never left people out whereas elsewhere you, you know the most obvious example glaring example was how pbc often left terence crawford off of lists of top welterweights um in, in doing the DAZN boxing show and doing other things, you're going to these events that aren't necessarily affiliated with DAZN. I, I, anecdotally, I think it's great, but are you seeing, you know, tangible results off that, off engagement, off traffic, off whatever metrics you're using to uh, determine success? Yeah, I think, yes, we are. Mm. And we're seeing people um, engage with content we're producing around fights we are not broadcasting live. Mm that are being carried on different networks so yes and um we're going to continue doing it because it, it works and i think our subscribers appreciate it mm -hmm. um the numbers definitely reflect that they do mm -hmm. so you mentioned uh promoters matchroom you've got to deal with um i know there's only so much you can say about the relationship with golden boy but there's been some reporting this week and a lot of people in boxing have been talking about that that relationship will continue uh, moving forward, what can you say about the relationship with Golden Boy and how it's evolved up until this point? The relationship with Golden Boy is really good. Um, 
uh, we work with we've worked with them since we entered the market um they they provide us a really regular and in relation to our subscription base and the demographics of our subscription base really relevant fights uh and we we take value from that relationship and we like working with golden boy um i'm not going to comment on speculation in in the media about where contractually we're at with them um but what i would say is we're in planning conversations with them about the early part of 2022 as much as we are with matchroom uh, i'm looking forward to announcing um fights with them very soon they've got a they got a roster of fighters notably ryan garcia obviously for various reasons has been quieter than he and we would have hoped um he he, he was in 2022 um he's the marquee but Jaime Munguia Rosado two weeks ago they've got a great matchmaking team they deliver consistently high quality shows and we like working with them as a result um, it's a different relationship to the one with Matchroom our relationship with Matchroom is across a number of markets here we're focused with Golden Boy exclusively pretty much in the US uh, we look we want to expand that we've got a global platform um, and look we're in, it, we're in good shape with Golden Boy is it I mean is it improved over the last year or so because I mean, everybody watched the Canelo thing play out the way that it did. I mean, Oscar came out publicly and was saying, we're going to look at Triller, we're going to look at other options. It, it, there were reasons to wonder if that relationship was going to continue. Ha in your mind, has it improved? In what ways has it improved in the last six months or a year? It's definitely improved. The, the Canelo period that you're referring to with mm -hmm. the change of the contractual situation was a stress test on that relationship. Um, in relationships like this, they're, they're multi-layered and sometimes they have to go a bit legal. Um, that's true of any relationship, however good it is on a personal basis or whatever. So um, yes, it's improved. I don't think it was ever as dead in the water as some of your colleagues in the media suggested it was. I certainly don't feel that it was. Um, but what's, what's important is it's continued. It's continued to deliver shows after a pretty brief COVID break. We only really broke for two or three months and we were back in business doing shows by the sort of mid part of last summer. So um, sort of June time, I think. Uh, keep me honest there, but uh, uh, around that time. And it, and, it's, and it spat out content and shows throughout that period, despite the legal headwinds we went through as a group. Um, everyone was mature. Everyone was adult. Everyone saw the bigger picture. And as a result, we continued to work with them. And I think fans would have seen us deliver... Uh, with Golden Boy, uh, a solid schedule of content coming out of that that stress period. So um, that's really all there is to say. It's a good relationship, and they're delivering us what we expect them to deliver. So you mentioned Canelo. Uh, you have been in business with Canelo since late 2018. He did his last fight on Fox or on Showtime, rather, on that platform. But you know, the zone has made no secret it would love to work with Canelo again. What was your reaction? to his public declaration that he wants to move up to cruiserweight for a fight. And what do you think the future is between DAZN and Canelo Alvarez? Um, I'll answer the first question first. <laughs> I remember saying two or three months ago, casually at a boxing event, I forget which one, to a group of people, you might have been there yourself, people who profess to be far more boxing intelligent than me, saying, I wouldn't be surprised if Canelo went to cruiserweight. And I got scoffed at as, a, you know, you idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Worry about the broadcast. So, the sort of chat I get from Eddie Hearn quite regularly. Um, and I, I was, it was dismissed as an idea. I, I'm not surprised that he's doing it. I mean, he's gone through the super middleweight division in the space of 11 months, 
because he chose to do it. So he's he's gone through that. He's ticked that box. If I know one thing about Canelo, he is very, very focused on achieving his goals and leaving a legacy for Mexican boxing and for himself. And he knows that by going to Cruiserweight and winning a title there, maybe winning a few titles there, would be an incredible statement from a guy who not that long ago was fighting at 160, 168, 175, then he goes up to Cruiserweight. It would be an incredible achievement and... That's how his mind works, as far as I can tell. He wants to push boundaries and, and, and break records. So good luck to him. Let's see what plays out. He's obviously taking a bit of a break after a very, very busy period. Of course, we want to work with Canelo. Of course, he's been a material part of our business. Uh, he's helped grow our US business. Um, it's not a one-man band that his own USA business, as some people say. And I know that based on the numbers that I eat and drink every day. But he definitely helps grow our business and he helps stabilize our business. So, of course, we're going to want to work with him, as will every other broadcaster in, in the market. He's taken the decision to position himself on a fight-by-fight -fight basis as a free a network free agent. I respect that. We respect that as a business. Um, as and when he wants to come back to the table and talk about what he wants to do next, Cruiserweight, Triple G... Well, whatever like, whatever what, it is, what kind we're going to be. Tell gonna me what kind of business conversations you have though after that gets announced. Like you must like swap emails or make phone have phone calls with people. Like do we, if the, he goes through with this and says I'm doing this, like it, do we want to do it? Do we want to be involved in it? Like I mean, what what is that? Well, the answer what, is, and it's not a secret. Any Canelo fight, we want to be a part of. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not giving away any like corporate secrets there at all. Um, what I would say is. <laughs> We after four years in boxing, we're not sort of reacting in panic, sort of, oh, this is new information. So much happens in boxing. It's such a soap opera, the whole sport. It's why we love it. Um, it's, it's sort of Wild West to a certain extent, boxing, right? We react to that by saying this is not a surprising potential scenario that we've got to think about. Ultimately, it's not... 15 different conversations. It's a conversation now between us and Eddie Hearn and Eddie Hearn and Canelo Alvarez and his team to talk about what he wants to do. Eddie Hearn will be talking to him. Other promoters will be talking to him. Other networks via those promoters will be talking to him. Um, in the next few weeks, we'll know what he wants to do. We'll have that from the horse's mouth. Um, and we will make a plan to, you know, see if we want to make offers and build him into our 2022 plans? The answer is we we want to do that. And I look forward to having those conversations. You mentioned it's not a one-man band, and you're right. But how significant for the business is the outcome of Gennady Golovkin's fight against Ryota Murata? I would imagine, I mean, as, as a boxing fan and somebody in this business, that if he goes out there and looks spectacular against Murata, the interest in Canelo Triple G Part 3 will be as high as it's been probably since 2018. How much is that fight still in your mind? And what kind of urgency would you say there is from you to, to try to push that fight over the finish line? Ultimately, the fights that we want to make and the fights we would invest in to make happen are those that fans want to see. There are probably seven or eight fights Canelo could have next that will be interesting on varying levels to American and Mexican boxing fans Triple G is definitely on that list it goes up the list to your point if he comes out in Tokyo at the end of December and looks 
a million dollars. So let's wait and see. It's definitely part of our consideration. Um, I'd personally love to see it for a number of reasons as a, as a fan, as well as a, someone in the sport. Um, but I think ultimately it comes down to what happens at the end of December in Japan, as you said. Does it, feel, it feels like to me that when you mention Triple G Golovkin or Triple G Canelo, you're almost arguing with two fan bases. Like the hardcore fan base will say, oh, Golovkin's almost 40 years old. Canelo would beat him up. Whereas, you know, give me David Benavidez or give me Jamal Charles or somebody else, you know, that's in their prime right now. Whereas if you walk down the street here in Brooklyn or in Boston or anywhere in the U.S. and you ask 10 people who Jamal Charlo, David Benavidez, who oh, they are, they won't know. But if you ask them who Triple G is, they know. And they still remember those first two fights. So it almost feels like if, if you're able to push that fight over the finish line, that you get whacked by some of the hardcores out there, but the casual fans probably embrace it, do embrace it, more than they would any other fight that can be made for Canelo right now. I, I think the hardcore fans in boxing, who are the most important, yeah. are pretty well served by boxing. Yeah. Um, I think you and I would agree, and maybe not everyone would, the sport needs to do more all the time to engage the casual fans. That's why we briefly invested in celebrity boxing because it does get more eyeballs on the sport mm -hmm. and a portion of those eyeballs will stick around as fans. Boxing sometimes is its own worst enemy ignoring opportunities to broaden its appeal and broaden its reach. So if your point is accurate, and I tend to agree that it is, and especially if that clamor for that fight increases at the end of December, um, then we're going to want to serve the, the, the casual fans with that fight. I also don't think that fight, we're hypothesizing now, would be horrible for hardcore fans. It wouldn't. It I, would. I don't think they'd be like, oh, this is ridiculous. No, Absolutely no. not. Given what happened in the first two fights, there's definitely a, a, a desire amongst the hardcores. I've actually noticed, pick up a little bit in the last month or so, um, just scanning social media. So, for me, I'm always going to come to it and I've got a reason to do this from a business perspective, looking for ways to get more people watching boxing. We shouldn't be, or anyone doing that, looking to do that, shouldn't be hung up as a anti-purist or a casual. Sometimes casual is used as an insult in, mm. in, in, in the sort of world of boxing. Um, casual fans mean more eyeballs. Yeah. Ultimately means more money in the sport. That's good for the fighters. It's good for the... Um, participants good for the managers is good for the sport as a whole so don't dismiss something as wrong just because it engages more more casual audiences the the sport needs more of that not, not less it's not as big as charlo andre but it's, it's nowhere, close. It's nowhere, nowhere close nowhere close uh, last thing for you um the zone came into this business in 2018 as the anti-pay-per-view uh we all remember the michael buffer ads pay-per-view is screwed now Seems like DAZN is trending towards doing at least some pay-per-views in 2022. Tell me what the future of pay-per-view is with DAZN. And if we do see pay-per-view events, what does that mean? Why, why make the shift away from something that you were so adamantly against early on? Look, the, the, the origin point of this is market research that we were doing, um, which, by the way, we do dozens of times a week in different ways um, on different topics. We do it all around the world about very small little changes we might be making to our tech or our product or our content offer all the time. There's a team of people doing that full-time in our business. Um, the pay-per-view point, especially in the UK, 
is something that boxing fans are very vocal about and with good reason because we have come out and, and spoken about it uh, previously in a, in a sort of um, tongue-in-cheek way. Um, ultimately, if we are to consider using it, it's because uh, we have to to get our hands on certain fights. There are certain fights um, that we haven't been able to get in the last two or three years uh, because the fighters are already established as pay-per-view boxers and they will only want to box where they benefit in the upside of a successful broadcast um, process. Mm. Um, so if we want to continue serving boxing fans in the US and in the UK with an extremely high quality boxing schedule, we can't ignore that and we need to have the technical ability to make pay-per-view available on our platform. Uh, Anthony Joshua is a free agent in the UK. Whoever he fights in the UK, uh, that's a pay-per-view event for the rest of his career, mm. in my opinion. It's well established. He's been boxing on pay-per-view for five or six years at least, maybe seven or eight. Um, we need the ability to do it. Ultimately, though, this comes back to a conversation about customer value. I am happy any day of the week and twice on a Sunday to have a conversation with any other broadcast platform, any other promoter outside our ecosystem to say who gives boxing fans the most value. In the UK at £7.99 a month and in the US here with our price points monthly and annual uh, here. We offer the best value. That is a principle of our business. So even if we have to venture into pay-per-view waters, um, we'll do that um, in a targeted, disciplined way. We'll, we'll do it selectively. And ultimately, the ultimate value of the consumer will continue to be better than the alternatives in market. We're in a really busy run of fights, as you mentioned at the top of this interview, through to the end of the year, all under a monthly subscription offer. Look at the number of pay-per-views that have happened since the summer to the end of the year. It's criminal. We're not going to do that. We're not going to come asking for $80, $90 for fights that should be on a uh, sort of run-of-the-mill subscription offer. Um, we're going to use it under the same principles on which we built our business. I know, I think as do most people now, looking at uh, commentary on social and ultimately for me looking at the numbers, that boxing fans in the US appreciate the value offer we're giving them. They're being more loyal to us as a result. That is, that is a very, very important thing for our business that we've fought to have over the last three or four years. We're not going to put that at risk by, uh, to use an English phrase, taking the piss on pay-per-view. Um, so we're doing the research. There are no specific plans for a pay-per-view event yet. We'll, we'll, if we have to use it, it will be used uh, sparingly and selectively and ultimately under the banner of delivering best-in-market value to boxing fans. That's not going to change. So nothing planned as of yet, is, especially in the U.S. market. Well, the, you're at the U.S. market where, you're right, there's been a saturation of pay-per-views as of we, we don't sit on fights and not announce them for weeks and weeks. You can't do that in boxing because they leak anyway because everyone speaks to everyone. So um, as soon as we've got a fight ready to announce, we're going to announce it, and there's nothing announced on pay-per-view yet. So mm. the answer is no, there's nothing yet planned. Well, Joe, I appreciate it, man. Good luck over the next couple of weeks. And if it's all right with you, I'm going to go out the back door of this building to just avoid, you know, any kind of long conversation. About Absolutely. And look, Chris, it's, it's the Thanksgiving Thursday when we're doing this. So I want to <laughs> say I am thankful for your work with Design. I am thankful for your coverage of the sport, even if you do occasionally have some pretty crazy ideas about the biggest fights in the sport. Thank you very much. Do you have a, a 
blank check I can present to anyone. Uh, we're no longer in, in that business. In the Charlo business. In the Charlo. We're side. no longer in that business. All right. Well, maybe I'll just make a big fake one and just say it's from me. Joe, I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Chris. When we come back, my conversation with George Cambosis. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Cyber Monday, nobody has a better deal than FanDuel. New customers get $50 in free bets when they sign up for FanDuel Sportsbook with no deposit required. That's right. Sign up from November 26th to November 29th, and you'll receive $50 in site credit free. How I would spend that money? Teofimo Lopez by stoppage. Lopez, George Cambosis is the biggest fight this weekend. I have been watching Lopez for weeks now. I've been with him for the last few days. He is as focused and energized about this fight as I have seen him. I think he's coming in to try to take Cambosis' head off. And I think there's a pretty good chance that he's able to do it. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. The app is easy to use. They're always hooking sports fans up with great offers. And when you win, you'll get paid in as little as two hours. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code BOXING to get $50 in free bets. That's promo code BOXING. All right, the big fight this weekend. 
will be at Madison Square Garden in New York. Teofimo Lopez will defend his lightweight titles against George Cambosis Jr., the number one contender for his IBF belt. Expect to be a big crowd, great atmosphere. There's been a lot of buzz over the months and months and months we've been waiting for this fight to actually happen. And George Cambosis is kind enough to join me here uh, on the show. George, one of the great unknowns to me in this fight is how you both will respond given so many stops and starts. Originally, this fight was scheduled for June. It's now happening in late November with several reschedules in between. How have you dealt with so many changes to the date on this fight? Look, I'm so focused. I'm, my tunnel vision is unbreakable. And I have been in the, in the gym nonstop, day in, day out. At the end of the day, you're fighting for the biggest prize in boxing, you know, the pinnacle of the sport. So I was never going to take my, my, my foot off the pedal. You know, this means the world to me. The road that I have been on, you know, to, to be where I am today and to win all these belts has been a hard road. I've really had to earn it. A testament to, to the fighter I am and the warrior I am. Two months ago, to the day pretty much, I had my, my birth of my third child but also the passing of my grandfather. And on that night, I trained. And since that day, I have not stopped. I never stopped because I'm so embedded in this fight. And I want this more than anything. And um, I'm very excited. I'm happy it's here. You know, there really has been no distractions. And uh, bring it on on Saturday night. Is that, I mean, training during those difficult circumstances, both in a positive way because of the birth of your child, the negative way because of the death of your grandfather. I mean, how different is that for you? For any other fight, might you have taken some time off? You know, I don't think I would have, to be honest. That's the kind of fight I am. I think I still would have been in the gym. You know, that's how my whole career has been. My, my life is, you know, very strict. I've got that, that uh, you know, military mindset. And that's how I am. You know, this was not, you know, this is my destiny, but this did not happen, you know, in one night. This is not because of luck. I've really had to earn it. And um, you say, would I have trained if the fight was not on at that time? If these situations happen in my life, I think I would have. That's the kind of person I am. So one of another variable in all this is that there's so much bad blood between you and Teofimo Lopez. Um, I guess simple question: Where does all that bad blood come from? Look, it's not personal for me. I don't know why he's getting so personal. It's a fight. He's got what I want, obviously, and I'm coming to take it. You know, he was the hunter against Lomachenko. Now he's being hunted. So he's got to understand how it feels because Lomachenko was obviously dealing with it and he was chasing him. Now I'm chasing him. He has these delusional, you know, things in his head and the people around him are not the right people. They're telling him things. One of the things is, is something about his mother. He thinks that I've had a go with his mother, which is not the case. I don't even know what his mum looks like. I mean, so at the, end of, at the end of the day, whatever he believes, whatever lies they are telling him and they continue lying to this kid, you know, that's on him. If he's the angriest kid in the world, bring it on Saturday. I'm focused. I'm cool, calm, collected. And you saw yesterday at the, at the uh, press conference how focused I am. The kid's jumping up and down. His dad's jumping up and down. And uh, for an undisputed champion, for your champion to be acting like that, that's not a real champion. Your real champion is here, ready to take the throne on Saturday night. You've talked about that hunger a couple of times, including at the press conference. You believe you're more hungry than Teofimo Lopez in this fight. Why do you believe that? Look, I'm extremely hungry, but he's right. He's starving because he's struggling to make the weight. He's starving big time. He's not hungry. He doesn't have that desire and that willpower. He did have it. He had it for Lomachenko, but he lost it because, like I said at the press conference, them belts have been his curse. I know a lot. 
I know a lot about his, his life. And uh, that's the kind of fighter I am. I learn everything about them. And he has lost a lot. A lot of people have left him. You know, it's pretty much him and his father. And um, like I said, that, that, them belts are your curse. At the end of the day, I'm happy to take them on. You, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many people were picking up on that, but you were tweaking him a little bit about, you know, being alone like that. Um, I mean, how much of that is trying to get under his skin a little bit before this fight? I don't need to get under his skin because I've been under his skin for a very long time. I've been in his head for a very long time. I've been living in that, in that brain of his rent-free for, for many months. I mean, so at the end of the day, I have been here every single day. June 19th, I was there. And every other date that was put out there, I was there till it got to a point where it became, come on, this, this is a joke. You know, we need to fight. We're sick and tired of this. And at the end of the day, you know, as much as I want to kill, destroy this kid and take him out, you know what I mean? You know, we are fighters. We are preparing for a certain date. So, um, you know, we are happy that time match room. We're excited for it and you know, bring it on. A lot of people in the U.S. have witnessed the rise of Teofimo Lopez over the last five years, fighting on televised top rank cards, knocking out Richard Comey at MSG and then beating Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, what gives you the confidence that you can beat a fighter that even at a young age has accomplished some pretty significant things? I think my, my willpower at the moment and what I bring to the table and what I believe in and my skill set, my speed, my explosive power, the way I move, my de defensive capabilities, you know, I feel like I do everything better. And it's going to be shown on Saturday night. You know, Many don't believe. But the most important thing is I believe. And when I believe, you know, I will win this fight. What, the, the power specifically. I mean, I watched your last fight against Lee Selby. It was a quality win for you. It got you in this position. But do you believe you have the power to change a fight against Teofimo Lopez? Yes, let me tell you that it only takes three and a half pounds of the right pressure on the right spot to put him out, to put him to sleep. We have seen many times him put to sleep in his sparring sessions. So... I'm very confident in my abilities. I'm very confident with my speed and my explosive power to land the right shot. But I'm ready for 12 rounds. Like I said yesterday, victory by any means. That win against Lee Selby was an absolute masterclass. Selby is known for his boxing abilities. I boxed his head off, picked him apart every single round in his own hometown. So, um, you know, we are ready. We're ready for whatever he brings and we're ready to win. One thing I'm sure you're ready for is a very aggressive Teofimo Lopez early on. He's not hiding the fact that he wants to stop you in the first round. How do you counter an attack like that? Look, I'll meet him head on. If he wants to go to war, let's go to war. But um, more anger, the better for me. Why is that? Well, we all know it. Anger, and you make a lot of mistakes. You leave yourself open. So um, you know, if he wants that, that anger, bring it on. But we are ready for whatever he brings. If he wants to box, if he wants to run. But I'm looking forward to uh, meeting him head on as well. Is is a firefight your kind of fight? Look, whatever way it goes, I'm ready for a firefight. I'm ready for uh, a boxing masterclass. I'm ready for whatever. Whatever he wants to do, I'm ready to match it and, and be better than him. You know, uh, this would be such, the most significant win of your career, obviously, easily. But so what, what would it mean to you to become, depending on who you ask, the undisputed or unified 135-pound champion. Yeah, look, obviously, there's that big, uh, you know, thing about undisputed, unified. I don't get too involved in that, you know. I'm just focused on, on, on beating this kid. And, you know, it would, mean, it would mean the world because all the hard years, earning it the hard way, you know, going to the backyards of champions, starting at the local club show, no big promoter behind me, no massive money behind me, having to sell tickets, sell tables to get some commission to be able to, you know, get over to the U.S. and do the hard training camps. All of a sudden, my door's open. 
get to go with the legend Manny Pacquiao. And that's where it really took off. And obviously, I showed my who I am in my last two fights and ready for this. So all them hard years, the blood, sweat and tears, and away from my family, away from my kids, it's it's one big, big ball of, of you know, of everything, you know, about my legacy. And, um, you know, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm coming to win this fight. It'll mean the world. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Been a long time coming. All the experiences that you've gone through, what besides you know working with your coach in the gym individually, what are the, what's one that shaped you the most? What's the most impactful experience? Whether it's working with one one fighter and sparring, or working with some trainer, what's the most impactful uh, thing you've had? Look, everything, everything from the trainers to to the sparring to the fights. You know, before I even hit the states, I had very solid fights in Australia. Guys that were, you know, I was big underdogs. I should have not won them fights. And I destroyed them put a beating on them so every bit you know of every day you know I'm getting better and better and has impacted you know my career I can't pinpoint you know the Manny Pacquiao sparring unbelievable the last two fights I had the experience there unbelievable you know the sparring with with the guys like Jose Ramirez Ray Beltran Sergey Lipinets you know all these guys has 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 put me to a level where I am today but everything from the gym to the trainers to the sparring to the fights to everything it's made me the man I am today. He has said he doesn't want to shake hands after this fight is over. You you buying that? It doesn't really bother me. Shake hands, no shake hands. I'm coming for the belt, so and you know, that doesn't bother me. A lot of excitement. In fact, I know it, it probably it definitely has to suck for you to have to wait this long, but I honestly feel there's more excitement around this fight given how long you've had to wait. It's almost become part of the story, George, that you've had to wait this long and finally this fight's actually happening. Look, everything happens for a reason. You know, man, and um, you never want to question anything. The way it's meant to be is the way it's happened. And uh, look where we are. We're on design. We're on matchroom. The promotion has been unbelievable. you got the people that know boxing a part of this. And what, what, a, what a venue, you know, to win all the belts. That's unbelievable. And I'm very excited and uh, very grateful to be in the position I am. And after Saturday night, the world will be shocked. But I won't be shocked because I've seen this for a very long time. I've dreamt about it and I will make it a reality. Well, do everybody a favor, George. Stay off the subway for the next 24 hours. Uh, don't eat any weird food. We don't need any more postponing of this fight. We want to see you and Teofimo finally get in the ring. Good luck, man. It's great to uh, great to talk to you. Great to meet you. I'm looking forward to to a great fight. I appreciate it. Look, I think if I had no arms, I'd still be rocking up. That's the kind of fighter I am. That's how much this means to me, and I'll still be there you know, winning the fight. So I'll be ready. I'll be there like I, I always have been, and uh, it's an absolute pleasure. And looking forward to uh, to Saturday night. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Joe Markovsky and George Cambosis for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can download podcasts. And I will see you with Sergio Mora next week. Manix, I'm a man on the run, and I'm not doing your fucking podcast. We're not doing it, bro. I'm a man on the run. On the run. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.